So there I was, sitting by the campfire, thinking about how long it's been. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Yay Yay Martinez. This is Big Jeff. And this is Media the Geek Mode Podcast episode. Episode, we got a bunch. Over 7,000. 7, Listen, which is good, I think, for part-time podcasters. Yeah, so, yeah. Because we're, kind of, we're kind of part-time right now. Yeah. We are, uh, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Summertime. Yeah. Summertime. Summertime. We're like some karaoke all-stars. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but it's been a while. Uh, we are in uh, our mobile headquarters today. Yeah, mo- mobile in, in many uh, aspects of the word. <laughs> 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 we got Jigsaw over here, ladies and gentlemen. Rolling. I wish that's all it was. So, so it's, been, it's been a couple of months for us. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he stopped getting his pedicure. <laughs> do you care? Do you care to uh, expound, uh, Big Jeff? Sure, sure. You know, I'm doing that. I'm gonna go live on Facebook. Oh damn! Oh damn! So, uh, I was diagnosed uh, with something called Charcot foot. C-H-A-R-C-O-T, foot. If, if you think of something like rickets. <laughs> uh, so what that is, this condition, it's actually uh, your bones in your foot soften and begin to fracture on their own. So out of nowhere, I was walking around at work one day, and I'm like, Damn, my foot hurts. So the foot was hurting me for, you know, like a week. I'm like, oh, what? So winds up that uh, I have a high threshold for pain. Okay, nice. Ask away, Facebook. Oh, yeah, let's try that. Okay. Maybe more. We have a lot of uh, fans on Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, uh, a lot of fans that haven't seen or heard from Jeff in a while. And we want to give you the opportunity to see that Big Jeff is doing well. He's in good spirits. Yeah. His mother-in-law is here laughing at him right now. (laughs) (laughs) She just pointed at me and told me I was wrong. (laughs) But, hey, we're having a cup of coffee on Sunday afternoon. And uh, we just want the world to know. Jeff right now is is doing the the best that he can as best he can. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh so so I was at work, so I was walking around with the foot hurting me because I have a high threshold for pain. Yeah, so I said gave a lot, we, we gave you a lot of uh just a lot of uh, you know we we made a lot of fun about you. Uh we made a lot of fun about you, that doesn't make sense. We cracked a lot of jokes because you were Yes, 
You you especially. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else did, but it turns out uh, it's bigger than that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Oh, but we're not live on Beauty and the Beast Mode page. We're live nope. on my own on your page. So if we go live on Beauty and the Beast Mode page, then we'll be able to talk back to the audience. Yeah. Yeah, so you wanna try that? Yep, yeah, yeah, I'll keep this I'll keep this up here. Uh I am. Look at that. So anybody that's on my page, go on the beauty nope. the beast mode. Nope. Uh, it has to be yours. Why does it have to be yours? Of course, Jason Ye Ye is live, not beauty in the beast mode. But that's, that's what I was just saying right now. That if we go live with beauty in the beast mode, then we get the beauty in the beast mode. I don't know if we are able to do that. Listen, we're going to figure this out, but we're going to come back. We keep dropping people. We got Tobes. We got Heather Santiago. We got the Sharda. They're all watching. Because there is only one Sharda. Hey, ask questions. Feel free to ask questions. Listen, we're going to switch this over to Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast page. So if you're not on that page, uh, go to that page now. Wait. Do all that. I do. Sharda says, hi, dude. What is happening um, on this beautiful Sunday? A lot of you guys are probably out by the pool right now. If you're out by the pool, you should be watching, right? Nate, this is live. Live podcast. Pretty soon, uh, you'll get the courage to do this as well, Nate. All right? Uh, and we wish you the best of luck on your podcast. Uh, it's got to stay on you, brother. Why does it have to stay on me? Because there's no option. There's no option for live on there? Hey, we're going to come back. All right? We'll come back. What? <laughs> Nate, Nate, you want us to plug your podcast? Tell us what your podcast is, and I'll plug it right here. We'll wait for you. Um, but other than that, we were talking about Jeff and um, his foot, and uh, you know all the things that are occurring because he didn't go to church today. So, you bastard. So, going back, diagnosed with Charcot foot. C-H-A-R-C-O-T foot was walking around at work for a week. We also call it Sharknado foot. Kept, kept hurting me, so I uh, have a high threshold for pain, so I just kept working, kept walking on it, and at the end of the second week, uh, I actually, I was like, yo, the pain hurts too much, I gotta go ch- get it checked out, so sure enough, I went, and they were like, yeah, you have two fractures in your foot. So I was like, damn. So they put me in some boot. Just and out of nowhere, though. Out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember kicking it, nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Didn't drop anything on it. So winds up then that I continued to work for another week with this boot, and it was hurting worse than it was. So I go back to the doctor. He's like, oh, you have six fractures now. And sure enough, that's when he was like, it looks like this Charcot foot stuff. Mm-hmm. Sharknado foot. Sharknado foot. And... Uh, as of right now, I have eight fractures, and they said that I'm going to have to have reconstructive surgery on the foot because right now, like, one bone in the back of the foot, like the heel portion back here, is pointing down, and the other portion is pointing up, and it's not going to heal. He said worst-case scenario is that the bone comes through the foot, 
and sharks come busting out. And uh, that's where we're at. So I'm definitely going to have to have reconstructive surgery. So I've been home uh, from work for two months already, and I have been bouncing off the walls because I am not the type of person just like, oh, great, I don't have to work for two months. This is awesome. Uh, I love what I do. I love the peeps that I work with, you know. Uh, so it's just really sucked. So just been stuck home, you know. Uh, I hope that I haven't been that much of a prick to the family, uh, you know. What makes you say that? Well, you know, I'm at home for two months. <laughs> no, but like, so Kristen says that I catch myself a lot, right? Because somebody who's in pain all day long and sitting home for two months, you know, depression sets in, you know, when it's not what you want to be doing. And, you know, you could become snippy and stuff like that. So I really, I really try... Vargatron just says that I am a prick, so I guess it's, I guess, I guess it's true, right, right. Thanks a lot, Vargatron. Um, which I hear he broke his toe, so I hope you heal fast, sir. Um, yes. Uh, so, you know. Kristen was crying about it the other day because she's like, you know, with all this stuff that you've been through, you really are taking it well, you know, and you're not being some big a-hole and... I'm listening to you, man. You're laughing. Borgatron <laughs> uh, says a sassy prick is still a prick. <laughs> um, so that's my story, man. You know, it's they don't know when it'll be fully healed. It could be you know, another month, three months, six months, I don't know. So that's where we're at. But, you know, recently I I, I told you that I've been sitting there watching street fighting videos. Right. <laughs> that's been kept keeping my spirits up. But, you know, it's just kind of like... I don't think that that would, like, make you angry, just watching people beat one another up. No, when they get knocked out, it makes me happy. Oh, right. It's great. You want to jump? Yeah. yeah, I would gimp for joy. <laughs> you would roll around for joy. That's it. <laughs> uh, so, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so just... Yeah, so the other day I'm sitting out on my back patio and I'm, you know, just sitting there and I don't ever feel sorry for myself ever because I know whatever it is that I'm going through could be way worse. Mm -hmm. I know that other people are de dealing with way more than I deal with. So it's like, I never do that. But like I said, sitting home for two months when you're not a person that likes to sit home, mm -hmm. you know, that you want to work and do stuff. Uh, it really got me down, man. I was in a funk and I was in a bad place just where I was constantly depressed, but uh, the wife, like I said, was super supportive, as always, because she's the best. She was a wife walking by. <laughs> <laughs> Fargatron says that's how he broke his toe. He was street fighting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Dude, my daughter does that. She what crunchies? She calls it. Crunchies? Yeah, because she sits there and like cracks each toe or crunches them. It's freaking nasty. It's worse than syrup on eggs. So anyway, throwback. Um, so I was sitting out on the back patio and I'm looking up at the sky and there are just, just like today, bro, you know, like these beautiful blue sky with these gigantic, beautiful, puffy clouds, you know, and I'm just sitting there and birds are chirping and I'm, and I'm just looking up and I'm like, shit ain't so bad. You know, and that—that's. <laughs> I saw a meme that said, "I hope a bird shits on your face today." <laughs> um, but that kind of got me out of my headspace. Right. You know, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, it's yeah. I said something where only you could get yourself out of negative headspace, and it's mm-hmm. true. You know, like. My wife. Yeah, sometimes people need a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. Not, a, not everybody has the capability to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, if you will. True. And get out of that funk, man. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of encouragement. Uh, so, like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying, I know you're not one that seeks it, but, right. you know, allowing it into your space every now and again when, when you're in a funk, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But, even if, let's say, you call me every day and are like, how you doing? You know, super positive, everything else. It's up to me to actually, I have to say, stop mm-hmm. being negative and stop thinking these thoughts. And But you're right, yeah. If you're surrounded by people who are positive and stuff like that, I think and I hope. Did I say stuff like that? Jeez. Uh, that I, I would hope that whomever it is would come snap out of it quicker when they have that support. So, yeah. And I'm, you know, it's funny. Like, I am a person who likes to be there for other peeps, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if somebody's down or if something's bothering them, to boost their spirits by being positive. And is it hard to accept it? Oh, yeah, for me. Really? Yeah. Because uh, you think you're strong enough to do it on your own? You know, it's funny because Kristen said the same thing the other day. Uh-huh. And uh, Anna Rosado just said, hi, Jason. Oh, cool. Um, I, so for years, I was told that I'm not shit. I'll never be shit. And that I will fail at whatever I do. You know, uh, I think part of that sticks in the back of my head, you know. Uh, How, that, was so, that was long ago. Yeah, but yeah. I get it. I get it. if a dog is beaten for years and then goes to a new home, the dog just doesn't come out of it right away. You know, it's, <laughs> right. It takes a long time. Uh and not that I think that way on a normal basis, you know, yeah. but I feel like there's always somebody else that could use the help, 
instead of me. I'll be good, you know. So. Well, I mean, you talk about having a, a significant surgery coming up. Like, yep. Yeah, I, I would appreciate if you got, if you allowed yourself to think differently when it comes to that because you're going to need that support. Yeah, yep. Like, you're yep. going to be locked in a halo and still, your foot is going to be locked in a steel. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, uh, so I had, there was one day when I was pissed off, right, where I called up the doctor and the doctor still wasn't giving me the information that I needed for my job and for all this stuff. And I went back and I'm. it's when I found out that I had eight fractures, you know, and that I was going to need the surgery, you know, and I kind of... You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, thank you, Amanda. I do know that. Um, Amanda said we're all worthy of help. So, um, By the way, Amanda was on uh, last episode, the last episode. Yep. Mode. Yep. Uh, so make sure you listen to that. A lot of knowledge bombs in that. A lot of knowledge bombs. Yeah. Um, and I know we were talking about having her on again down the road. Um for some, I know that everybody deserves to be helped. But I think even you know, you know, like. Well, this is an interesting turn of events, Grasshopper, because in the last episode, you were getting on me for something very similar. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, you were talking about me and, and reaching out for help and continuing to go for help for certain things. Right, right. And now you're sitting here saying, Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up. <laughs> Amanda's laughing on here. But, I mean, it's very similar, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, You're right. About you've been in, in, in the same environment for the past two months, watching Street Fighter on TV. And, I mean, Amanda has a lot of thoughts, a lot, you know what I mean? All of that stuff that yeah. was, you said was in the back of your brain is starting, is starting to make its way toward the front. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And a lot of doubt comes with that and a lot of, uh, you know, pushing other people away and, you know, just not wanting to accept certain things. Um, but, you know, everybody everybody knows your spirit and wants to see you in great spirit. Right. And uh, even when, when the surgery comes around, that's going to be a tough thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, the doctor said that's a rough one, so. Yeah. Yeah. Some, there's some good things that have been happening as a result. Of you being here, right? And thinking about your health in a different way? Yeah, so I've lost 12 pounds. Oh, round of applause, 12 pounds. We'll need to go back to the episode where you and the professor were talking about doing certain things if I changed my ways. Well, that was like long six long months ago. What? You bastard. Uh, so... I haven't eaten, like, anything with added sugar, mm -hmm. so it's weird. So, like, I drink my coffee now without sugar, uh, where I used to put a bunch of sugar in, plus sweetened, like, half-and-half half stuff, uh, like donuts. Yeah. Like, I haven't had any sweets or candy or, or so any of that. 
you made yourself aware of some of those changes that you were going to have to make. Yep. And, I mean, sometimes it takes hard things to help us realize, you know what I mean? Yep. So, like, you literally have been a couch potato for the past two months, and you could have put on 12 pounds. Right, right. But you decided to make those significant changes yeah. for your health. Yep. So that's good, man. Yeah, like, instead of, like, dude, I mean... I'm an open book, you know that. I would sit down with like a full bag of Doritos mm-hmm. and by the end of the night watching TV, I would be done with a bag of Doritos, mm-hmm. you know, or chips or whatever. So now instead of chips, like we're not even bringing it into the house, yeah. maybe something was brought in mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to confirm nor deny, but like instead I would grab like uh, I have chopped up broccoli in there. A little broccoli. Yeah, I know that. I, I, I saw that, on, that skit on Comic Relief. Broccoli. broccoli. I promise y'all tears the first time I saw Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so grabbing veggies instead of grabbing crap food, mm-hmm. you know? So it's this whole thing has, you know, and like Kristen, my wife, is... Like, oh, let's get you out of the house and go here. Let's get you out of the house and go there. I'm like, like I'm not even going out. Like, a friend of mine had a party at his house. Right. It's two houses down, right. and I didn't go. You know? Go? Because, like, this whole thing with this condition has scared the shit out of me, bro. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, the one thing that could happen if I don't take care of it is they could... Cut the foot off, right. you know? Um, so it's kind of... <laughs> a foot's only like two pounds, all right? Um, but like years ago, my AM, uh, <clears throat> my adoptive mother, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she... Uh, she got type 2 diabetes, right? Because she was like a sweet junkie. Like, uh, so they found out because she was sitting at her desk at work looking at her computer monitor and all of a sudden she couldn't see a thing. And it lasted like that for a good 20 minutes. Went to the doctor, found out she had type 2 diabetes and from that point on, like sugar-free everything, yeah. you know? And that's kind of like me right now, you know? It's, this thing scared the shit out of me. I, I don't want them to chop my foot off, you know? I don't want the bone to pop out the bottom of my foot. And, you know, it's, it's tough, yeah. you know? And he said, with this condition, like, here it is, I went in and I had two fractures initially. Then I went in and I had six fractures. Then I went in and I had eight fractures. And, bro, when I tell you that I've been sitting on the couch... Like I, like I said, I haven't been going out doing anything, walking on it, you know? And part of that I can only gather is because of my weight as well, you know? For the little bit, you know, obviously I have to walk into the shower. Obviously I have to do this and do that, so. What is it, so what is, what is Sharknado foot related to? Diabetes, bro. Really? Yep. Mm. Yep. It's insane when I 
have done some research and look, you know, a lot of people think diabetes and they think like one or two things, like it affects so much. It's insane. You know, if you have diabetes and you don't do anything about it, you can lose your sight. You know, like the last time I had my eyes checked, diabetes, I told him, he's like, good thing you don't have any damage to your eyes. Like, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, some people, you know, I've always learned stuff the hard way, you know? And it wasn't until something like this where I was like, man, you know, okay, I'm middle-aged, if not more, you know? I'm not 20-something anymore. I, I can't just rule the world and nothing affects me, you know? It's, okay, I'm 46 and I'm fat and I have diabetes and I have all this other stuff and none of that is going to be good because I'll probably die pretty damn quicker than I would if I watch my stuff, you know? And it, it's, you know, shit, bro, you worked with me a couple of years ago when we were working out every day and we were doing all this stuff and you and so many people are like, dude, you have to watch this and you have to change your life and you have to change the way that you're doing things. And that's why I kind of say that, like, until somebody is ready mentally that, you know, they're not going to do it. And it's now where I'm like, if I do not change my ways, I will die. You know? And it'll be piece by piece. And it'll be extremely painful. Right. You know? And I'm not saying woe is me. I'm saying this is the truth. You know? It's starting, you know, because if you don't do anything about it, you know, I, I know somebody who lost uh, below the knee amputee because they had diabetes. You know, I have another buddy who's partially blind because of diabetes. And, you know, it's just uh, diabetes and then some, you know, I haven't gone to the cardiologist in a long time. You know, who knows if I'm like 90% blocked up. Right. You know, Kevin Smith had that Widowmaker thing, but he survived, you know. Jeremy's watching. Hello, Jeremy. Uh, so, yeah, man, you know, it's, uh, it's been tough. And that's, that's what's funny is that I've had the foot, I've had the pain, I've had all this, I've had the change of the way that I'm eating, and I've been out of work, and I've been this, and I've been that, and Kristen's like, you're doing really good, you know? Uh, and then my mother-in-law, who's here with us, is like, so when are you stopping smoking? I'm like, you'll all be dead if I stop smoking. It's Let's just take one bro. step at a time. I, well, literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. But I'm, you talk about this being an eye-opener, you talk about making all those changes, Smoking's not far behind. Like, I, I, it's just it's your thing. Like, I'm not knock, like, I'm not knocking you for it. Right. You know what what comes along with that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I know some ninety year old smokers. You met some ninety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is true. This is true. Um, but I mean, I'm glad that I got to see your day, man. You seem, at least for the day, you seem to be in, in good spirits. I know we had a couple of conversations early on. Yeah. And from 
all of the responses on live and, and whatnot, um, and just use that as fuel, man, to, to uh, help you move toward those, those positive goals in your life, man. Absolutely, um, brother. Yep. You're going to need all that good energy over the next several months to live and, and beyond. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Thank you, brother. Back, brother. But I can have to cut this phone off, brother, because this is... Uh, what? My data is out of control right now. <laughs> You're not on my wireless? I'm not on your wireless. So maybe we'll start up again after. Maybe we'll start up again, yeah. I'll stop this for now. Thank you guys for jumping on and listening to Jeff. Um, wanted to check in with everyone. Uh, give Jeff some love because he's been in here watching Street Fight. Cassandra, thank you. Uh, but continue to give love to this dude. Jump on the Beauty in the Base Mode. Base mode. Jump on the Beauty in the Base Mode <laughs> Facebook page, please. Like, and our numbers are increasing. Yeah. iTunes, SoundCloud. Love you, Vargas. 7,000 listens right now. Over. Yep. People listening in LA and New York. So, you know, we, UK. We want to build our fan base locally. <laughs> well, I'm saying we're going overseas. We want to get that local love yeah. Too. Yep. Uh, yep. So, please continue to share with your friends. Miss you, Amanda. Um, and, uh, yeah, go back and listen to our last episode with Amanda. With Amanda. And there's a, we have an episode that has like 3,000 listens right now. Yeah. Challenge assumptions. Challenge assumptions. So, I don't remember what was said on that one, but go back and listen to it. I listened to it. I remember. You remember? But they'll have to go listen but to it. they'll have to go listen to it. Okay. Uh, so we might jump back on live again uh, here today, but Jeff and I are going to continue this podcast because we have some other things to talk about. That's right. right? That's right. Continue the conversation, Jeff. I'm going to turn this off. See you, peeps. Thank you. Love you. I said continue the conversation, and he just said peace out. Uh, I'm going to continue. You son of a bitch. Rotate your phone. You can't turn your phone. <laughs> you done with that? We're done with that. Nice. There's a big delay. That's still going. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a good 10 second, 20 second delay on the Facebook Live. So we got to figure out why we can't do that from Beauty and the Beast mode I, Facebook I page. The admin for it. Admin for it right? Yeah, but. So maybe if you did that. Like, where is the live button? I don't know. We have to figure it out, man. I'm sure that we can do something on that. Okay. We'll try it. We'll try it. So yeah, brother. That's where we're at. You know what, though, man? Continue to think about, well, I think it's amazing that you dropped 12 pounds and that you're continuing to think about those, those, uh, healthy habits. And man, dude, listen, I live. Is that? Yeah. Live right there, bro. Oh, okay. Uh, that is fantastic, man. Thank you. And I hate that I brought, uh, some munchkin donuts in here. <laughs> no, but what did I do with them? I put them right in front of you. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I guess we can do live from. No, it's not recording. So, Jeff is fiddling.
Oh, uh, there you go. Start live video. Yeah, that's right. To, to get us back on live with everybody. Um, okay. So, Jack, what else has been going on, man? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, you know what? I'm going to grab these donuts really quick. Okay. But in doing so, uh, I wanted to touch on what we just witnessed on the YouTube. When we just watched all of Mike Tyson's knockouts. knockouts in his first couple of years of boxing. Yeah. The fascinating thing about that is that this dude fought like every single month in yeah. his first year of boxing. Yeah. And he had a fight every month. Yep. And some of the fights were two weeks apart. Two weeks apart. Crazy. Like he wasn't traveling around most of them like in, in New, in New York, York upstate. But a fight every month which didn't even Right. Yep. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean to watch him in his youth, bro. You know when he was just super huge. You know, muscle and just uh, huge. Uh. Do you need more coffee? Yeah, but the reason why I'm squeezing it as I take a sip uh, from this Captain America mug that Jeff told me was some kind of mug that didn't get hot, but I grabbed it and it did get hot. The reason I want to bring that up is because he was, out, he was in the pursuit of something, right? He wanted to be a boxer, a famous boxer. Wanted to be a world champion and fought every single month. Almost for two years. The video showed almost two years in a row. Yeah. Yep. And that is like when you think about when you're chasing something, right? It's like us when we first started the podcast. Every where we're at, every two weeks we were yep. on it. Yep. Right? Every two weeks we were on it. We were chasing it, we were chasing it, we were chasing it. And not that we got complacent, but, you know, like, life, you know, life. Life happens, bro, yeah. And, and, you know, moving in, in different directions on, some, on certain aspects of our life, um, like, that comes into play. But just to watch this dude in the pursuit for those first 24 months of his career. <sighs> Crazy. Was fascinating. And also, like, it's kind of like a reset, too, for me, being like, man, this dude, literally, and not, when you talk about boxing nowadays, cats don't fight for... Years at a time. Right. Right. Before they have another match. Yep. Like, they're not even going out to fight, like, Joe Schmoes, right? Just to keep them smooth and, like, right. to keep the rhythm. Like, they just literally take off. Year, year and a half. Yep. Then train <clears throat> for a long period of time to go into a boxing match. Right. When this dude was literally fighting every month for, like, 24 months. Crazy. Yep. Ridiculous. Yep. When you think about it, your pursuit and uh, chasing your goals and chasing your championship, I just wanted—I wanted to give you that little piece of knowledge that I don't know if many people knew about as it relates to Mike Tyson and his career. Right. Just YouTube it. I don't know the, the YouTube 
was, but he Googled Mike Tyson's... Uh, all knockouts or something. All, knockouts. all KOs. You, they have the dates and the year of all of those matches. And you will see it's like April 1985. May 1985. June 1985. Yep. That, like, that's how you have to get after Yeah. That. Yeah. It's insane. And he wasn't listening to his ring guy. Yep. And when they were talking to Teddy Atlas, Teddy Atlas was like, George Foreman was setting Michael Moore up. And they showed, in, so the round, one of the rounds was over, and they went to his corner, and Atlas was totally saying that. He's setting you up for this, ba 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 ba. And Moore was just like, whatever. Uh, whatever I'm doing is working. Mm-hmm. And he was leading the whole fight, too. So it winds up that Foreman didn't come on until round nine because mm-hmm. he won the last three rounds, but then he freaking knocked him out. And I, I remember watching that fight as a kid, but and one thing Teddy Atlas was saying and that George Foreman was saying that, that Teddy Atlas confirmed is that George Foreman was just setting his dude up with blind spots. Yeah. Or he was going to throw that left jab and come right behind him with the right, with the straight right. Wouldn't even see it coming. Wouldn't see it coming. And Teddy Atlas told that to Michael Moore. During the fight. During the fight, in the corner. Yep. He's setting you up to throw that blind right yep. behind the left. Right? Which, the way that speaks to me is that, and Michael Moore, don't get me wrong, Michael Moore was having a great fight for those yep. nine rounds. Yep. Right? But he wasn't paying attention to the blind spots. Right. He wasn't, not only was he not paying attention to the blind spots, I think that he forgot who his opponent was. Right. Right. All that he accomplished throughout his career. Exactly. Even though he was 20 years exactly. older than him. Exactly. He had the knowledge. He forgot who was on the other side of him. Right. Man. Yeah. And, and there's also another lesson learned from that is, you know, don't be so cocksure about stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? What was the word? They call it cocksure. <laughs> it's a true word. <laughs> I'm not being nasty, <laughs> but it's, you know, when you think that you know it all and you're not going to listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And like you said, during the damn fight, he told him, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's Miss Cleo, yeah. psychic, you know? Well, Teddy Atlas is, is, is like, he has that. If, if there's anybody, like they would probably put Teddy Atlas at the top uh, for having the world's greatest boxing brain and knowledge of boxing. Right. Yeah. But it, uh, there's so many lessons there, right? And I know it's an old boxing match, and a lot of people probably haven't seen it. And, you know, our younger listeners, they, they go YouTube it, Michael Moore versus George Foreman, and then just try and pick up on your own lessons. Just try and pick up on your own lessons. And listen to how 
George Foreman was talking about. Uh, and George Foreman, he had been out of boxing for a long time, and then he, he decided to step back in the game in his mid-40s yep. and had a bunch of tough matches, but then this opportunity came to fight for the heavyweight championship, and he wanted to win it back. Because the last time that he had it was when he had it before Muhammad Ali defeated him. Correct. Right? So he was on this comeback trail. Uh, he had something to prove to himself more so than anyone else. He, said, he did also say that he was fighting for money. Right. So there were a few incentives. Right. And so, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> After that fight, after he won, is when he started getting all the endorsements for all the stuff. So, And he said that during that time, <clears throat> when he was out of boxing for so long, that he learned to become a salesman. Yes. <clears throat> right? He was a, uh, a, a pastor for 10 years yes. at his church. He became a pastor. And he said that he learned how to sell things. So, mm-hmm. And he went from being like he the... people into his ministry. You have to go out and you got to essentially say, hey, come be a part of this. Right. And he was saying how uh, he went from that like bad, mean, brooding guy to the smiling, joking guy, and that's when he got all the endorsements and the grill and everything else. The, the, it's, it's dichotomy the right word, but just the dichotomy of that entire story and how they said that Michael Moore at age twenty six was very similar to how George Foreman was yep. when he was younger. He became the bad, yeah. brooding guy. Very, uh, maybe in some ways, but uh, you know, not, not as charismatic and things like that. Um, so that entire story, I mean, even the more I think about it now as we're talking about it and unpacking it, it's just so fascinating. And I, it would be interesting to see how Michael Moore looked at that, looked at that situation now. Right. With years of growth underneath his belt. Right. story is amazing, um, but the lessons within it uh, are just, you know, with the first, like, you have to keep your eyes open, and you have to be aware of those blind spots, and uh, listening to others, and um, listening to, to, the, to the education and, and the knowledge that other people bring to the table. Yep. And not, but like to go back to our scenario that we talked about earlier with you and us working out two years ago, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and maybe me not listening to somebody when it comes uh, to comedy or something along those lines, and and kind of like thinking that I can do it my way, you know? Right. Like all those lessons, man. Yep. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. It's so great. Yep. And so that's the thing. So you have to be wise enough to let that settle into your head, yeah. right? Yeah. To allow people to come in, right? And this Moore was a champion. Right. And it still didn't resonate with him. Right, right. That's, he had that cocky attitude, mm-hmm. you know, and just everything that I'm doing is working for me. Mm-hmm. He was unbeaten, mm-hmm. right, I think? Okay, but, you know, and how do you look at it? You look at it like I am over 20 years younger than this guy. How is this guy going to beat me? He's out of shape, mm-hmm. you know, he's 46, but you see it, and he could t- 
Foreman was taking some hits, you know, and just and swinging. And at 46 years old, he was 46, uh, that, that you could just keep swinging like that for all those rounds. Yeah. Crazy. That talk about cocky. What the guy Uzo? I don't remember who. Yeah. No. The dude was always 120 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Everything on him looked oversized. Yes. Came in with a gold chain on, dancing, shoulder shaking, pointing to the crowd, gets into the ring, and then the clip goes to two rounds later, and this dude is up against the ropes. And his opponent comes with an overhand. I don't know if it's a right or left, but he comes with an overhand and twists the dude's head <laughs> all the way around. It's almost like The Exorcist. It was the dude just landed on the bottom rope landed. To choke out. And so he landed on the bottom rope, but with his face facing down. Yes. So the bottom rope is choking, yes. <laughs> just laying yeah. there. Yeah. You saw the writing on the wall. Yep. Which is another lesson, right? Like, don't be so arrogant that you set yourself up for the fall. Right. Right? Yep. Like, it's one thing to be confident. It's another thing to be cocky. Right. And so arrogant. Like, you see, you, people literally see you setting yourself up for the fall. Yep. You know, because it's funny, we didn't know how the fight was going to turn out, because it was just one of these videos that I popped up, clicked on, and it said, most embarrassing knockouts. All I know is that Ye Ye and I are watching this, and we're both like, hopefully it's this bastard who gets knocked out, because he was so just over the top, flamboyantly just a jerk. Ugh. Well, you looked at it, too, and his people that were with him, uh, three of the guys were embarrassed. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't be so arrogant that the people around you are embarrassed for you. <laughs> right. That's a lesson. Don't be, if people around you are, arrogant, uh, are embarrassed for you uh, because of your arrogance, change your ways. Then you need to change your ways. There, there's something about you that needs to Sometimes that takes us um, getting choked out by the bottom rope <laughs> after we've fallen on our face to learn that lesson. Like that's what I took from that boxing clip. But then we we also watched clips of Arturo Arturo Gotti oh, and Mickey, Mickey Ward, Ward. and that fascinating trilogy that they had. And it, you know, we're, we're trying to use boxing to make analogies here uh, about life. Fighting Castillo. 
It's a good reminder of what not to do. Well, you know what's crazy too? Like I look at it and I'm like, you know, you have, you really can take so much stuff away from boxing, you know? And myself to look at these men and women who box and, you know, they're getting beat up and knocked down and you know, all they're thinking about is get up and get some more. You know, like that's amazing to me. You know? Right. Right. Yes. They stopped the fight. This is my livelihood. Yeah, this is my livelihood, right? 
And when something becomes your livelihood like that, and you're pursuing it, and you get knocked down, and somebody throws you off course, yeah, like, it's a reset, man. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see that dude's story, and see if he continued to pursue it. Right. Or what, or what, what, that, what path that pushed him towards. Right. right. You know, and then we, we watched one, the most embarrassing knockouts, where they had the guy who they said was a, like a fighter on the streets, the guy with the mullet and the bad blue shorts, that had no anything, no right, he should not have been in the ring. And he got hit so hard, it spun him around, and he just stopped and then dropped, like... Stop said, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's funny. Like I, like I said, how you could take so much away from boxing. Um, as we were watching that, I was just thinking of how many different things I could put into use in my life you know, from watching them and just watching, but also like what their ring guys are saying to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At one point, he was for the early, in the early rounds, or was that, was that, a different, that was the Evander Holyfield match. Remember when he sat on, he sat on the stool. He said, if you don't want to be here, if you want, I, he's like, you want me to fight for you? Right. And Michael Moore, because, so we talked about Michael Moore, how, like, the, the, the thing about Michael Moore is that, they didn't really sense that fire within him. Right. But he happened to be talented. So he got the title. Some other things happened uh, within boxing. A couple of the big figures at that time uh, might have had, had some different challenges. So Michael Moore, I don't want to say fell into this. Obviously, he was talented. But he fell into the championship. And a lot. the thing about him was that people didn't see, didn't see that fire and that dedication. And, and um, he went through a few different trainers because, you know, he started pushing back against what the trainers were trying to teach him. Right. Right. So some of that some of that arrogance started to kick in. Some of that, oh I know what I'm doing now started to kick in. Instead of listening to these brilliant minds in boxing, he started to think that he had it all figured out. Right. And so when he fought Evander Holyfield, uh, Teddy Atlas was in his corner at for the, the title. For the uh, for the title, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the title. Teddy Atlas was in his corner at the time and the ver- the first six or seven rounds of the fight, Teddy Atlas is trying to inspire Michael Moore, but he also sees that this dude is not living up to his potential. Right? H- half Alex, effort. You, the funny thing is that is that when I came in here, you were telling me about a boxing match from yesterday where Roy Jones Jr. was in somebody's corner and the dude was obviously clearly losing and Roy Jones Jr. was telling this guy that he was winning, right. keep it up, all that stuff. Right. Teddy Atlas, the real boxing trainer, is telling Michael Moore, Get your shit together. You're losing. You're losing. You get, yep. Not only are you losing, like you're losing physically and mentally. Yep. Like you are checked out of this match. Yep. And he's telling Michael Moore, "Do you want me to fight for you?" He sat in his stool. He, he wouldn't let him sit down. Back after one of the rounds was over, and Teddy Atlas sat in his stool and said, "Do you want me to fight for you?" <sighs> because you are not giving me everything that you have. <sighs> Man, I, goosebumps, yeah. bro. Yep. I want Teddy Atlas to follow me around every, <laughs> before every show. I want Teddy Atlas in my corner saying, you better tell your best freaking jokes right now. Right. Because somebody else is going to come behind you and take this from you. Right. Teddy Atlas is that dude. I want Teddy Atlas to be our first guest. Like, 
celebrity guest on Beauty and the Beast right. podcast. But I'll look him up right now. Yeah, <laughs> bro. But but you need people to tell you what the real is. Absolutely. You need people to tell you what the real is, and you and I are good about that. Yep. About yep. T- like that, you need those individuals in your life because you're gonna have a lot of cheerleaders. If you're doing great things, you're gonna have a lot of cheerleaders, and they might be scared. Your cheerleaders are gonna be scared to tell you what the real is. If you have someone who is just saying, you're the best, you're doing your best, you know, this, that, the other thing, but you're not, that is harming you more than helping you. All it's doing is stroking your ego. And if you really want to succeed and do things well, you'll want those people around with you, around you that will tell you how it is for real. Right. Yeah. Teddy Atlas currently lives in Staten Island, New York, and he's hey, hey, bro, that's you, man. sixty-two years old. New York stomping grounds, man. Yeah. Yep. Stomping grounds, man. Go, go find it. Get it done. Get it done. We're gonna go on a road trip. Uh, Jeff's gonna have his foot up on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, honestly, I would love, like, to interview him. You know, I would love to have a conversation with, uh, who's the one on the West Coast that has his little boxing gym? There was an HBO special. He was a boxer, then became a trainer. He was training, uh, what's his face? No, white dude with glasses and salt and pepper hair. I don't know if he had a stroke. Freddie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got some knowledge too, bro. You know? Right. Oh, crazy, bro. Crazy smart. And you know, you're, you're talking. It's crazy to think, right? That, that Morophyte, when he told him. This is what's happening. Like, that's how well he knows his craft. Yeah. Just, he didn't overhear something. Mm-hmm. He knew by the way the other guy was fighting that this was going to happen. Like, you have to know your stuff mm-hmm. to be that smart in, in your craft, you know? I can only hope one day that I can be, be that intelligent about whatever it is in the area that I'm focusing on. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So, you've heard you heard about me for a good twenty minutes or more. So, Yay Yay has been working on some stuff as well. You had a great comedy show last night. Yeah, last night comedy show was amazing. Kill, <laughs> killed it. Killed it. 
you performed along with Chris Buck and Will Blaylock. Nice. Nice. That I've seen. I don't know that I've seen everybody, but I've seen the majority of the comedians in Jacksonville, Florida. Chris Buck is by far the best writer. And I mentioned to you one thing I love when I see him, I've seen him multiple times now, is that he's the type of comedian that, you know, sometimes if you're not too with it, Mm -hmm. he's a smart, he writes intelligently, Mm -hmm. and if you're not that with it, it'll go straight over your head. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like, when I'm watching this and I get it, and people are like, huh? Yeah. Because you even see him on stage and he starts laughing about it that he didn't get it, yeah. you know? Uh. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. So he, him, me, Will Blaylock, another young cat that's coming up named uh, Scott, uh, and Brian Thomas hosted um, in Jacksonville, Florida, at Veterans Brew. People after the show telling all of us that we did a great job. Um, and, you know, that's what you want at a comedy show, man. You right. Know, you want you want to see the smiles. You, you, I mean, obviously, like it's different rooms. Like Mike, you guys come in, like we have a see all that. But it's some, it's a it's a brewery, so it's well lit. And you know, um, but smiling faces, laughter, just people right engaged with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was a really good show. It was a good moment for us for sure. Nice. And it's not fake either, you know, like when, when you perform like that, like when I used to play with my band and you put on a performance, any performer, if it wasn't that good, they wouldn't, a lot wouldn't lie and say you were great. They probably wouldn't say anything, you know? So that was nice that everybody was complimenting you guys. And, you know, we've discussed before, personally, I think that the people in the room have a lot to do like, if they came to have a good time and laugh, mm-hmm. as opposed to people who were like, make me laugh, funny man, right. you know? Totally different vibe, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So, and uh, you were taking some courses, and you finished those? What was that about? Somebody saw, you know, Joe posted something that I've taken in classes and, and mentioned it to me. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I want to focus more on writing and, and trying to, you know, perhaps write some screenplays and whatnot. And they mentioned to me, they were like, yeah, you said that you wanted to get into writing and everything like that in that, in that interview. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I went back and watched the interview when I mentioned that. I just, you know, man, um, there's been some, some positive people pushing me in that direction. People are doing great things, and uh, they know the business well, and they, you know, 
they're, they're encouraging me um, to, to dip my feet in the water and, and see what's out there and, and share some of the stories that I feel are authentic and would be engaging. So I'm trying to write. Uh, I'm building a couple screenplays here, you know, a couple of, I think, solid ideas in my head that I spoke to a few people about. And uh, it's just about putting in the work, man. Nice. You know, getting behind the, the keyboard and, and letting my mind take me where it will. See, it also goes back to what we were talking about just before, about when people are giving you advice, you know, we have to be receptive to take the advice, you know. That makes me think about, too, like you said, you have a lot of positive people behind you saying, hey, you should do this. And, uh, like, I look back on my life when I was 18 years old driving a tow truck, and a guy liked my voice. He was the head of a radio station in New York, and I just was like, whatevs. You know, like, that's stupid, yeah. you know, stupid kid. What could have been if I would have done it, you know? So it's good that you're following that path and you're going to do something with it. I, I think about it that way now, right? In the sense that there is so much out there to get. For a while, my, I, my, my mind was narrowed thinking that it can only happen for certain people. Right. And now... I've just opened up my mind to say, this can happen. Regardless of what this is, whatever your this is, like, it can happen. But you have to keep making efforts towards whatever that is. Doesn't just happen on its own. It, it doesn't happen on its own. There's, if, if you think that it can happen, then it can, but you have to make the effort toward that. So, I know that sounds simple, but like if I'm if I'm a if I'm a good comedian, but I don't put the work in to writing jokes and to writing out different uh, varying sets, you know, three, five, minutes, ten minutes, all that stuff. If I don't put that work in, then it's not going to happen. Right. Or I'm not going to go as far as I possibly can if I don't put in the work. When you could be that much better yeah. by putting in the work. Exactly. You could want something all you want, mm -hmm. but if you don't work towards doing whatever it is to get you there. Yeah. And, and that comes with the plan, man. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I wouldn't just be able to go out and write a screenplay. Like, I, I have to know the people that write screenplays. I have to figure out what the format of a screenplay is. I have to, you know, figure out um, how, to, how to write my story and, then, and how to build that. How to build that out, and there's very specific pieces that go into me just wanting to present a screenplay to somebody. Right. And if you just think that you know a screenplay is going to magically appear, it's not. Right. If you think that your ideas are just going to magically fall onto paper, they're not. Yep. And so I got to the point where I had these thoughts, but you know I was very narrow-minded in thinking that this there's no way that this can be meant for me. I've opened up my mind to, to believe that it can be. And if it happens within five years or ten years, it still can be. Damn right. As long as I keep making step, uh, steps toward that. Right. I was watching a Gary Vee video the other day, and he he's, was big recently on pushing, like, your life isn't over at 40. You know? George Foreman. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Just because you're 40 or 50 
doesn't mean that you're done. You know, some people start brand new at a different profession when they're that age, you know? But... My, I mean, my daughter just graduated high school. Congrats, by the way. Thank you, bro. Congrats to her. I'll pass that along. Like, she did the work. Uh, just turned 18. You told me that you wrote her essays for her. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, just turned 18. And so, now for me, I'm super ecstatic that she's got to that to the next chapter in her life. But I'm also like, man, like this is a different chapter in my life now. Right. It's like I'm going into the second half of my life now. Right. That's how I feel. Yep. Right. So it's like when when you when you and Chris become empty nesters, like that's another that's another half of your life. Right. That you're like, okay, what what are we gonna do now? Right. Right. And I only say that obviously she's still young, but like she can go do anything in the world that she wants to do. Yep. Right. She's an adult. Yep. So. Fucking crazy. So for me, it's like, wow, she can go do anything that she wants to do. And I can't just sit here and, you know, uh, try and get her through that first chapter. Like she, this is a chapter for her. Right. You know? So now there's an opportunity for me to go write a different chapter in my life. Right. And it's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Yep. But I also think that's why my mind is more open now to believing that those things that I I dream of can actually happen. Because, you know, there's, a, there's another half to it. Right. You know, just with what you were saying, you know, you have to think of, like, the thousands of screenplays that are written. Hundreds of thousands. You know, I was going to say a month, you know, but, like, what makes... What makes yours better than the other ones, you know? And, you know, so whether you're writing something or whatever it is that you're doing, not Yeye, but anybody who's listening to this, like, they, everybody needs to think that way. Okay, I'm doing this. Well, you know what? There are tens of thousands of people doing this. Why do you stand out from those people, you know? And it's... I was told a long time ago doing a project, don't hand in that project until you think, like, is this what they want, Mm -hmm. you know? Because if you just do a half-assed project and hand it in, it's going to be given back to you. Okay, make these three revisions. Like, you know, you shouldn't be out there to beat somebody else. Like, okay, Yay's trying to outdo me in my screenplay. Mm -hmm. But just worry about you and make your thing, whatever that thing is, literally the absolute best. Right. Right. And authentic. You know? Yeah. If it's authentic to you and, and your beliefs and and all of that, then you'll have pride in it. Right? But you don't want to have enough pride in it to where you can't let it go. Right. Somebody says that it's not great, that it's still great. Like, don't let your ego get in the way of all of those opportunities right. uh, that could be there for you. You know, yeah. I think that's one thing that, that I've done in my life. And one thing that Michael Moore maybe did for me is push his ego to the side. Right. You know? Yeah, if you cannot take constructive criticism, there's a problem. Yeah, there's a few lanes that you don't want to go. Like, if I write a screenplay, I have to be ready for criticism. 
Yep. You know? Yep. Like I, got, I want some things to be great. I want the story itself to be great. I want people to fall in love with the story. If I turn in a screenplay and there's edits here and edits there and there's edits, that's fine. I have to be open to that. Uh, because that is going to happen. Sure. You know? But I would also say that don't make so many changes that your original story that you want to put out there is different, right? So if if you have a dream and a passion and you want to tell this, you know, sure, some stuff and revisions will be made and need to be made, but if you're writing a story about A and it comes out of their hands and it's more like B and C, you, you have to decide right then and there, is that cool? So here's the thing about screenplay is what I've learned is that you write the screenplay, you write it for film, and once you sign it over, like, it's that, there. That's it, yeah, right. It's there. You, you wrote it, you sold it. Obviously, like, if you do some other stuff contractually, then it could be different, but if you write a screenplay, you sell it, like, it's there. They can go in and revise it and do all that. It might be a different story. So there, there's that whole component, what I've, at least from the very little that I know, there's that component of, I write this, I sell it, I wrote a screenplay to sell. Right. Yeah. Obviously, if I want to tell my story and I'm attached to it, it it's going to it's gonna feel like, ah, that's not what I intended. Right. But it, it's the business of writing screenplays and selling screenplays is that you write them and you sell them. Right. You know? I definitely at some point want to get a story out with people, have the opportunity to write it and do all the other things that come along with it so that story doesn't change. Right. Right. We'll right. A story about Jason Martinez, you don't want to become a story about Johnny Martin. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm Johnny Martin. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we'll get there, man. We got we have a, a whole other book to write, so nice. Nice. Yeah. Very cool, brother. This has been good, brother. Yeah. Right. Right. Two minutes away. Yeah. But uh, you know, you make a new drive to Georgia to do this podcast. Nice. two-hour commutes, bro. Yep. I told you sometimes it took me four hours. Yeah. Yep. See, that's why I don't think, you like, coming from that and sometimes a 30-minute commute when there's traffic, when there's no traffic, it's literally 20 minutes to get there. I don't think that's that bad. You know, leaving work, it gives you that downtime to chill, you know. Uh, I know with you, literally, like, you make two turns in your home, you know, (laughs) but yeah, but I'm glad that we got to to pop in with Jeff, Uh, hells yeah, all the listeners, hey, go show this dude some love, 
follow him on the gram. At Jeff Fleming, that's real easy. That's it. F-R-E-M-E-D. F-R-E-M-E-D. Hit us up on Facebook. At Beauty and the Beast Mode Podcast. On Facebook. iTunes. SoundCloud. Everywhere a classy podcast can be heard, we will be there. Actually, you're already there listening. So tell a friend and tell them to tell a friend. If you like what you hear, you know, we're just two dudes sitting around trying to put some positivity back into the world, you know, help spread some joy. And uh, it took me a little while to remember that, you know, we were talking and sometimes I go off on tangents a lot of times, <laughs> but I kind of remembered when we first spoke about it and Ye was like, yo, we got to bring some positivity back into the world. It's a crazy world. And we both said that even if one person takes something away or if it helps somebody or puts a smile on somebody's face, then we did our job. And we enjoy doing it, so we hope you enjoy listening. And you could hit us up on those platforms, you know, Facebook, Beauty and the Beast Mode Podcast, and let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you. Agreed and indeed. And, you know, we'll pop back over here. Uh, and we want to keep Jeff in good spirits. So we'll pop back over here, get another podcast episode in. Make sure you guys go and check out those boxing videos. Oh yeah. Those, if if you're in the if you and look at try and look at them from a different perspective. Try and put yourself in the shoes of both of those competitors. Watch the Teddy Atlas, Michael Moore video. Listen to Teddy. Listen to Teddy. Listen to listen to Teddy. Listen to George. And listen to Michael. And think about the lens from which they're speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the lens from which they're speaking. Michael Moore making arrogance, ego, pride, selfishness. Teddy, selflessness. Uh, man, what a, Wisdom. Wisdom, uh, is it foresight? Right? Yep, yep. George Foreman, dedication, heart, heart, patience, perseverance. Yep. Uh, courage. Yep. Think about those things. Watch that video and think about those things. And we'll actually we'll even put a clip over on the Facebook page because we want you guys. Yes. That means you got to go to the Facebook page, Beauty and the Beast Mode Podcast, yeah. and like it and share it mm-hmm. and check out the video. Yeah. Uh, well, Jeff. Brother Ye Ye. Man, it was a pleasure, man. I love you, bro. And love I, you. I, we're going to get through this. We'll get through this with the family, with the fans, with the 
friends. We'll get through this. It's going to be a journey. We want you to continue to fight, man. Absolutely. And continue to stay disciplined and, and you know, the, the healthy lifestyle choices that you, you, you've made uh, because we want to make a lot of these guys better. Heck yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you've come to that point in the show. When it's time. When it's time. For. For. The Beast Mode Moment. The Beast Mode Moment. Come courtesy of. Team Grasshopper. Team Grasshopper. Be adamant about not becoming the I could have done that. We all have these gravitational pulls towards our life calling. Our senses and emotions tell us that we should be moving that way. Life nudges us. Don't ignore the pulls, senses, emotions, and nudges. There are a lot of great things out there for us, and sometimes we become narrow-minded in thinking that those things aren't for us, even though we feel like something is pushing us in that direction. We fight against it. Right? Quit fighting against it. Quit fight. Quit stepping away from it. Go toward it. Because it is nudging you. It is literally pulling you in that direction. Come this way. Come this way. Come this way. Sometimes we get we get so caught up in fear and, and thinking that those, those things aren't meant for us. That we decide not to go in that direction. But sometimes those nudges, they, they are happening for a reason. And so I would just say that uh, sometimes lean into that nudge. Lean into that nudge. And if you fall down, you're going to learn a lesson. If you fall down, you're going to learn a lesson.
in his veins. Because your love is the music of my heart. Jeff ties this episode up in a nice boat and delivers a package of uh, positivity that we like to call Jeff's joint. And like always, I have to continue on having a conversation with, uh, with everybody here on Beauty and the Beast Mode because Jeff is not queued up. You know why? Because Jeff does not queue himself up coming into the episode with the song prepared. While we're doing this episode, he starts to think about all these different songs and all of these different lyrics that really align with what we've been talking about today. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jeff's Joint. Little Dave Matthews band. Hey, you didn't think I would get it, did you? Very nice. I thought that you would. At first, you had that smirk, like, <laughs> "Oh, what's this gonna be?" <laughs> Tell us why you picked that one, Jeff. Uh, because I think that with everything that we've been talking about today, uh, you know, talking about being open to taking criticism, being open to people being positive with you and suggestions and, um, you know, maybe like Michael Moore not listening, you know, and, and failing, uh, and all these different things, you know, people trying to help you <coughs> and to be open to it. And with everything that we spoke about, you know, it comes to my mind Sing, Where Are You Going? That's the name of the song, Where Are You Going? And in there he says, you know, I'm no Superman. And like, think about what you're doing and what path is it leading you down? You know, where are you going? What is your plan? Whatever it is, be open to the support, love, and compassion coming from other people. that you're making and the road that that could be leading you towards and the good things that you're doing and the road that that could be leading you towards. Yep. Feedback is a gift. Yep. Being open and receptive to it is, and sometimes it's, it's hard to hear. Sure. Sometimes it's difficult to accept. But feedback is a gift so if we can accept it as such then it can only enlighten us. Yep. Jeff, Fantastic choice for the day, brother. Thank you. Um, great episode. We were on Facebook Live. You can see the video. We'll figure out how to get it on Because <laughs> I know that all the, of the 7,000 or however many listeners we have out there are not friends of mine on Facebook. <laughs> so, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Until the next time, my brother. I appreciate you. I love you. Ditto. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This is J.J. Martinez. This is Big Jeff.
Till next time, see ya. Peace.